Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson, and there is no Maureen today. Uh, Maureen is working, and we, but we also very much wanted to have the guest that I have with me now on. So I am joined by Cole DiGenova. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just just got out of the rain. Yeah. In the nick of time. This is so like listeners to the podcast on this already, but there's a weird bit that I do, which is um, Daniel's weather corner from two days ago, because this will likely go up in two days. Ah, but it's it's always a thing where I'm like, for, for whatever reason, like, it's such a cliche thing to talk about the weather. But I also think it's like, weirdly fascinating in Chicago, because the weather is like, you know, so such a snap. And, mm-hmm, and it's such yeah. a snapshot of the day and of the month, like in September in Chicago, like it's different than it was to like, it's been raining like every day. Yeah. We have a thing too, where, um, so I'm, I'm sure you can, we're in a basement apartment and our kitchen is right next to, there's a giant hole in the ceiling oh. for in the hallway for like not like a the that sounds like what I'm saying is that there was like a hole that broke through. Okay. It's like Yeah, that sounds hard, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that would be terrifying. It is actually still a little terrifying. We Maureen and I call it the death patio hmm. because um it's part like it's basically it's built in a way that this one corner that is our back door is exposed to the elements. Like for whatever reason they wanted to make like a sky like a I have no idea. I don't really understand it. Um, there's just one part of our entire building in this hallway that's just like brick wall all of a sudden. And you look up and then it's up. So with all the rain and it's the dr- and the drain right there, it'll flood the kitchen. Oh, and that's man. happened like a couple times. And I've had to like go out with like a giant snow shovel and just kind of like fjord the water into the drain. Oh, man. No one wants to fjord in the middle of their kitchen. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. I know, yeah, and I'd never thought I'd do it. And anyway, so that's that feels kind of peak September. We should like get to talking to about you at all. Um, I'm really glad to have you here. Uh, we got put in touch through your people, which is rad and fuck, uh, rad and rad as fuck. Um, what I do want to kind of know though um, is for those that do are not familiar with your work, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of music do you make? Well, um, I make what I've been calling uh, alternative soul for for a while now as an independent artist, uh, but I'm also a, a keyboard player and vocalist, um, and I work with an array of projects in town and also uh, some national uh, artists as well. So mm-hmm. I've got my hands in a lot of different things, but as an artist myself, um, yeah alternative soul is what i call it that's you know and that's fascinating like we've kind of been talking about a bit before we started recording is just like you know um it seems like we have similar paths and and i think a lot of people have similar paths to this especially when you've studied music and then you Mm -hmm. kind of come out you find that like your skills are both like helpful and applicable to other people's work and stuff like that but then it's also like finding kind of your own voice is a is a journey yeah. in and of itself um you know for you what uh have you had kind of like guideposts in that in that kind of finding your own voice experience well it's been for, for me it's been i want to say like eight years since i was in a formal training mm-hmm. facility of of music and 
art. Um, and, you know, I, I put out an album uh, a couple years after I had graduated. And I, at that time, I thought, like, okay, it took me two years. I found my voice. This is where, this mm-hmm. is where I'm at. And now, you know, another five or six years after that, I'm like, okay, this is it. I found my voice. Mm-hmm. Like this, and I just realized that it's, it's a, you know, it's a constantly evolving thing just like, you know, I am as a person and my, my tastes change and my perspective of the world changes. And, um, but yeah, it is definitely a journey. And I, I will say I'm glad to be out of the academic music school environment it's a i love my time in academia like don't get me wrong like for for people that maybe you're listening that i I don't know you never know who's listening but Mm -hmm. um love it and and you know wish i could be a student again all that stuff but for for certain things but there's also just like come there are just such a you know one of the things we've been talking about too since before we started recording is you know um coming out of that space and and then being like okay i'm gonna even just kind of like the base level of it of like where you're like oh like maybe i should think of like a brand for myself or something like that mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like being and thinking about it just in so many ways does not prepare you for stepping out into being a part of something bigger than yourself yeah and i i, I don't really understand why that is um but i guess the question that i have for you is um what uh you know what kind of influences did you feel in that space when you were like first leaving academia um well it's interesting what to to speak to what you just talked about i i went to berkeley college of music which sort of provide sort of prides itself on being different than other music Mm -hmm. schools their whole their motto literally was uh nothing conservatory about it right and to me it felt more like a trade school like they really were trying to prepare you for what being in the music business was and you kind of kind of built this little microcosm of the industry because you had like the music business majors and you had the the music production and engineering people and then the performing people and it was just this little bubble um but even within that it's like you would there were people who were like stars within the Berkeley bubble. And then, right. and then you left and then realized that you were nobody and you still had to start from scratch. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like maybe I was victim to that a little bit. Cause I had, I had a band and I was touring. Um, and I was, you know, I felt, felt really good about myself. And <laughs> I left school and I, I moved back to Chicago, which is where I'm from originally. And um, and I had already, I had already had developed some bit of a, of a network here in Chicago, just mm-hmm. as a professional keyboard player, right. um, even as a teenager. So I, I w- it wasn't as if I was stepping into some abyss. Like I had some some foundation to work from. Um, but yeah, it's like you were just saying. It's it's not it's it's not just knowing people, but then also thinking like, what is my brand? How am I, you know, what are, who, how am I going to approach this? Especially nowadays when everybody's sort of just figuring it out as they go along with the, the internet and social mm-hmm. media and everything, you know? So it's, it's, I, I, I feel like I'm still figuring it out. Well, and I, you know, I, um, I do this a lot where this is also where I kind of come to, 
politically and socially and in a lot of different ways where um i think you know with classical music especially like one of the things recently i've been thinking about and talking about a lot is like classical music's big on having like canonized rep and like building tradition Mm -hmm. um and what i also think is fascinating though is that as soon as people come out of that culture and are thrown into another culture um it the it's jarring for one thing but also like there there's a lot of critique happening there and, and able to kind of think about like the traditional spaces we build that we that have been built that that we built but that have been built um and and thinking about them and and like seeing what worked and what didn't but then you know it's it's fascinating too because when we and and again not to constantly refer back to the conversation we had before we started recording but one of the like that's kind of another thing that we were talking about is just like how the things that we it's 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 fascinating when you come from a space like when you come from because the thing that's interesting about your experience at berkeley is that um because that's similar to there's a couple different spaces that that are fascinating in that way that it seems like probably the last few decades where these schools have been made yeah. that recognize Columbia is kind of like that ex- yeah 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 Columbia was an, another really great example and I think they do um, great work in that there was that moment of recognizing like here's what's happened for music school in the past mm-hmm. um, this is like the tradition and yeah. let's build something new but then that new thing is both new and not. And I think that's really interesting because like in, in a lot of ways we still kind of create to the point where I was bringing about with Mozart is that we still kind of create pedestals, you know, mm-hmm. even if they're microcosm pedestals, they're still, and I, I that is, I think like a really fast and, Oh man, I'm so deeply not into a question for you here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, to, to add to what you're talking about. Um, I mean, I know you, you were saying you, you come from a classical background. Um, what I started at Berkeley with was was being in the jazz tradition because mm-hmm. I, I sort of grew up playing jazz and uh, had been playing jazz in Chicago around town before I even went to school. And if there is any element of a, of a conservatory attitude at Berkeley, it was the jazz school there Mm -hmm. and this and the the jazz academia and um that was something that i quickly became turned off from Mm -hmm. you know having come from what i felt to be a more of sort of an organic jazz uh experience to then being in this school where we were idolizing these people as you know as if you know this is something that you'll never you'll never be able to be like you Mm -hmm. can study it all you want but you're never going to be that person and that's the whole point of jazz is is self-expression and that's what all of these masters were trying to do and here you are in school trying literally learning their solos note by note and and it you get this this whole elitism that comes along with that and it was during school during my time at school that I was like, man, I love jazz and I love playing jazz, but if this is what, if this is what my future in jazz is going to be, uh, I think I want to take a step back and explore some of the other music that I yeah. love. And you know. I, I think that that moment is something that I, um, I want to better 
and maybe this is like my own weird wanting to build of a tradition kind of a thing but like there and in this way it's inherently like not going to be what i'm looking for but that i'm just trying to figure out what that moment is where both because both it's both being like i reject what's come before me but i want to make something Mm-hmm. And I, but I want to, but then that thing that you want to make, so it's like, cause you're not going to just like, like, you're not going to study jazz and then pick up pottery, you know, right. like, like right. you're going to study jazz and then kind yeah. of like, that's still do your own take you. on it. Yeah. It's, it's never going to leave. Right. You know, even if I, even, and, and I did like when I left school, I immediately started asking all of my friends who were not in music school, what have you been listening to? And I started listening to like punk rock and uh, LCD sound system and like all of these things that nobody at Berkeley was listening to. And then I was, you know, as a way to sort of rebel. But even if that is the music I'm trying to make, the, my background is still going to be the, in mm-hmm. me somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's still going to come out somehow. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. And I, you know, I, I think it's all great. Yeah. Just, yeah, I did have to make that conscious decision of like, okay, I I want to leave myself open to everything and not just get stuck in this little microcosm mm-hmm. of a genre. Well, so let's get into. So I I uh, was first introduced to your music by the music video that you just recently released, mm-hmm. um, and that just that alone, and you know, kind of more <coughs> of what we've talked about with your upcoming work. Um, uh, is uh, clearly you've made choices is, is where I'm going with this. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I kind of want to know um, what have been your, your kind of guidelines and guideposts in that, in that process. Well, the, well, the new video is for a song called uh, we broke, mm-hmm. which um, I just re- I released on 4th of July uh, and uh, which will be on this upcoming project that I'm, I'm about to release by the end of the year. Um, that was, I don't know. That was a lot of things like the creation of that was, you know, um, like trying, I I love funk music and I, I wanted to make something that was like extra funky, but also had a little bit of a punk attitude. There was this band that I discovered called a certain ratio which is this band from uh britain in the early 80s that was making what they called punk funk which was this like really aggressive it sounded like you know some late 70s early 80s sort of new wave music with this like really aggressive slap bass and i was like i can i can do something like that and make it even a little funkier Mm -hmm. and then add some like prince-esque vocals to it with the uh with the the high-pitched voice and then also like i've always written songs with a certain uh socially conscious element to them and so this was my chance to do that but also uh showcase a little bit more of like my own humor i think a lot of my music before this i've I've ended up being more serious in it than I actually am as a person. So I was like, okay, I'll make a a satire that's funky, but also is very true to my experience because I was very broke at the time and everything in the song is very true to life. Um, 
and then I started when I started playing the song live like everybody loved it I mean you know because everybody obviously knows what it means to be broke but I think because it was I was showcasing my personality a little Mm -hmm. bit more people were really connecting with it well and I that you know um that all rings through from from my experience Mm -hmm. um and and the thing that uh I think is great about it and great about great arts arts movements is that it catches onto that cultural pulse Mm -hmm. you know like because it first off it is catchy like what we were talking about before like your your training comes through in that regard and um but it's also like it's not just a catchy hook you know like you are actually like there is actually a message and and that that kind of balance i i you know first off it's basically what this magazine is about but i also um i think it's fascinating as an artist you know like um did you did you always know that you wanted to you know maybe not always a serious statement like what you're saying but like to be making statements even in in whatever to whatever degree or um is that just organically a thing that's happened or do you know what i mean i think it's yeah it's been something that i just always have have leaned towards and i for a long it, it used to be even more so um i my band starting in college and then that i was touring with for a few years afterwards uh, was Coldy Genova and the People's Republic. And mm-hmm. that was like, I wanted to make the most politically engaging music. I wanted people to be having conversations about the People's Republic and socialism and capitalism at the shows, you know. And I had this these very lofty ideas of, of what the People's Republic meant and how I would be like, using different musicians in different cities wherever I went. And, and that was as what I was doing for a while, um, whether or not it created any sort of, you know, movement or enlightened uh, dialogue, I'm not sure about. But it, it did get to a point like a few years later where I was like, okay, I, I, I want to maybe write songs that aren't always, like I don't want to be beholden to that. You know, I, I want to be able to write a love song every now and then or, you know, especially as I started growing as a, more as a, a person and, and starting to look more introspectively and getting into different spiritual paths and having different life experiences. I was like, OK, I want to I, I don't want to be I don't want to always have to be the megaphone for for messages and, and you know, political movements and uh as, as even though that's still also a part of me and it, it's always going to be there, but I, I feel like there are more nuanced ways to go about it than just like beating it over someone's head. That, yeah, that's fascinating. I, the, every bit of what you've just said is are things that, uh, and I, you know, and I say I've been thinking about, but mm-hmm. I got to imagine that there are a lot of people that, you know, um, that, there are a lot of people that are artistic that come out of political movements. And, you know, I, I think that it's a weird time where we're living in where anybody can technically have discourse with anybody. Yeah. You at know, any time at any time. And, and, and I, uh, you know, that, and what that does is you all of a sudden get like two ideologies that are, that are so, 
and so you know sometimes I'll, and just like to that point where like sometimes i'll reference like you know I've, I've been writing more editorials and i'll reference like this strain of discourse where i'm specifically talking about like right-wing people and like kind of just like a general like a like an argument that's happening between the right generally and the left generally yeah and then if someone is more reading a thing and wanting to be talking about discourse between the far left and the center left that that's how they read it and and that doesn't so i guess what i'm ultimately going for here is one of these kind of like general discourse things is the way I always think of the quote, um, the Nina Simone quote that you, uh, I don't, I'm going to butcher the exact quote, but basically that, you know, we're not creating art in a vacuum, like yeah. art without recognition of the culture around it. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's quote you're talking about. Yeah. And I, the, the, that kind of piece to it is, is fascinating to me, but then also kind of thinking about it where, um, you know, and not to get super, I'm, I mean, I guess to get super poignant to what my current <laughs> events is. First off, I love that. I love the new Nike ad campaign. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, that. I did just read about that. But it's oh, also, yeah. like, it's fascinating kind of in in um, in this space where that's both a great thing, but we also, like, recognize, like, what that means in the grand scope of, of what Nike is doing. Yeah. And kind of the inverse of that is kind of what we're talking about now where... Um, yeah, everything's tied up in everything. I mean, yeah. It's like you can't have a purely political statement by a major corporation. It's like it's too complicated. It's yeah. like there's too many things that are crossing paths mm-hmm. there that to, to really I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe it full heartedly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, that's it is great in a lot of ways, but it's also great for you to appeal to a younger generation or you know absolutely to a more woke generation yeah and and well and because that's the because that's the interesting thing though is that like it can feel to someone that's to the far left ideology ideologically like those things are the same thing do you know what i mean like you being like i'm gonna uh, and tell me if i'm paraphrasing in a way that is is not representative um but like balancing with what you know what is what is enjoyable Mm -hmm. um yeah but also but when you come from i just think it's fascinating the the entering that space coming from the foundation that you have with which is an interest in in socialist politics and 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 really picking and having that conversation and i think that um well, let me let me actually ask it. Um, do you do you think that uh, like that to, is how that works in the movement? Something that comes to mind as you're doing it, like is that a is that a driving force for it? Is it just a nature of what you're doing? Um, and generally, is that something that like we? need more of in discourse is is <laughs> socialism being relatable <laughs> well I, I i do think that's that's happening already i mean the whole social democrat movement that's happening you have um uh alexandria uh ocasio cortez yeah in new york and bernie sanders was a longtime socialist i mean i do think our generation is a lot less scared of the word socialism and mm-hmm. i guess i would consider myself a social democrat 
mm-hmm. this point. Um, you know, don't, I don't, I don't want anyone coming after me, you know, to, to be like, ideology you know, is a complex it thing. It is. Yeah. And yeah. It, you know, no, it, no, uh, Reddit, this isn't going to go on Reddit or anything like right. that. Like, yeah, no, I'm, but I do. I yeah. You. It's, it's something that like we can freely discuss and it makes sense to us now, mm-hmm. you know, to say like, yeah, f- free healthcare and free education. Duh. Yeah. You know, it's like for most, I feel like most of the people our age, you know, that's, uh, it's a given. And to someone a, a little older, maybe that sounds like straight up communism, but like, yeah, I think we're in a place where it's, we're in a comfortable space to be talking about mm-hmm. those sort of things. And I, th- I think it's great that, I mean, we're moving in, I really do feel like we're, we're moving in that general d- direction as, as much as we live in a Trump America right now, I think that is just, you know, you take like two steps forward, one step back, like two right. steps forward. I still think we're in a, a greater progressive shift. And if this is just like the obvious reaction to that, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone's going to be happy about it, but I think there's enough of a push happening that this is just, this is like a hiccup in the bigger <sighs> Well, I, of things. I appreciate you taking this conversational dive with me, which if this feels very much like what this has been, though, yeah. because I guess the thing that's fascinating to me is um, to I think there are artists that are finding themselves in this position where they can create art that is both ideology, ideologically representative, but is mm-hmm. maybe living in this this kind of I feel like compromise space is an unfair way of putting it, but do you, you know what I mean? Where like it is, it is both relatable and accessible, um, and ideologic, ideologically representative. Yeah. And um, I guess like I'm, I'm curious how that that feeling of um, uh, entering that space of of art making feels for you. Hmm. Um. <sighs> Yeah, like I said, I mean, it was, it's just always been there. It, it never felt like I had to consciously make a decision to do that. That's just, those are the conversations I was having with my friends and the type of books that I was reading. And, you know, it's just, it's always been something important to me, you know, the people and, and people's rights and human rights. And um, it's, it's something that needs to continuously be discussed in order for us to to get better mm-hmm. um but i i do think it's it's tied in with everything like my own personal experiences is my human story and if i can relate that to the greater human story somehow that's i think it's all important and and to that i i was i was thinking of this zach de la rocha quote uh while you were just talking now he said you know and he, he's the lead singer of um Rage Against the Machine, which was this very political rock band. Did not real I loved them as a teenager because yeah. every teenager with angst did. But right. like I was re-listening to some stuff. I was like, oh my god, this is like leftist as fuck. Oh yeah, totally. But he he said that every song he ever wrote was a love song, you know, and I, I, that always stuck with me. It's like this was his, it's his love for people and right. and and change. And the, the empowerment of people, you know, that's, it's all love song, you know, it's all love. If it's, if it's meant to be in a, to push people in a positive direction, even if it scares some people, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, what I, I want to kind of uh, touch on too more is, um, is your relationship with Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk a bit about, about this, about making art in Chicago, kind of the unique nature of it. Um, what does the city mean to you generally and as an artist? Well, that's a big, that's a big yeah. question. Um, I, I love Chicago. Uh, Chicago is my, has been my home. It's, it's where all of my family lives. My family moved from Italy and Greece. Uh, my mom's family is Greek to Chicago and we've been here ever since. So it's like, we have this very, I mean, we've been here for maybe about a hundred years mm-hmm. or less. Um, but the roots are very strong. So I grew up with this very, very much strong pride in being from Chicago and driving around the streets, uh, around the South side where my dad grew up and, and him just, you know, telling me every little place he, you know, where he lived or he used to hang out. And my parents were musicians in town. They met in a band. My dad's dad was a musician uh, who led a big band in town. So we have very strong Chicago mm-hmm. musical roots. Cool. That being said, um, I also grew up with my dad telling me, you know, if you really want to be someone, you're going to have to leave Chicago at some point. And so that's, <laughs> it's always been sort of this, this battle within my mind of like, well, how do I, how do I balance that out? Cause I don't want to leave Chicago but I also want to be successful, you know, and I've, I think I've, I think I've done pretty well at that. Like I've, Chicago has been my home base for the last, uh, well, since I moved back from Boston. Um, but I've also lived on and off sporadically in new Orleans and I, and, and sporadically in Los Angeles and I just, for years, I just, I, I was just moving around and sort of just living as a, like a musical vagabond mm-hmm. and, and building this network, this national network, um, so that I can live in Chicago, but also be working in other cities. And, and it's the, the tricky thing with Chicago, like we were talking about before the, the interview started is. A lot of people in Chicago, I hate to say it, have this sort of defeatist attitude of like, well, you know, if it comes from New York or L.A., it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it, you know, if it just comes from Chicago, like well, I mean, it can't be as good as if it came from somewhere else. So, like, there's this idea that you have to make it somewhere else and then come back and then you'll be big. But I do think that that is starting to change. Um, I do think like people like Chance the Rapper and his whole crew have definitely brought a whole lot of positive attention um, to the city. And, you know, even from my own experience, having like traveled all around the country now and, you know, working with bands from other cities and they all see me as, as the Chicago guy, mm-hmm. you know, but they, there's a certain reverence to that. And I, I'm like, I'm proud to be the Chicago guy when I'm when I'm doing these other gigs and, and whatnot. So if I can bring if I can help bring attention back to the city, uh, you know, then I, I, I feel like a success. But I've also realized that in order to do that, I've had to like 
have at least one of my feet right outside at various times yeah no that's fascinating and i you know i think um a thing that because obviously this is the thing i think about a lot um and a thing that i think is really interesting uh is watching how we how the transition to digital media is going mm-hmm. i think it's i just think it's inter- like eternally fascinating because like in the same you know kind of remnants of the conversation at the beginning of the episode like um we we leave a traditional format to make a new one you know like youtube for example is so intensely based out of la and new york and there's no reason for that like yeah. what's to say that something that is being that is that is getting big on youtube could be in in any other city but yeah. you know we still latch on to these things that we've like deemed really comfortable yeah but um but you know that's all kind of just kind of like echoes of thoughts of of that i've been having a lot which is this idea of of what that this digital revolution can mean for art and i'm so i'm also really curious uh for your art making um how what would you if you know how do you feel like your art would be different if you were making it i don't know maybe 30 years ago before like before internet before the internet you know i the the nostalgic part of me likes to think that it would have been easier because we all we Mm -hmm. all say that you know we always think like man you know back in the day in the 60s and 70s that you know that's when like people knew good music and blah blah right blah. it's it's all bs it's it is it, it, it's our own like just n- nostalgia for this time we never lived through and you know but I, I, I at the same time i think what's happening now is amazing you know and we have to it, it, there's so much music out there and you just got to be more creative about how to get it out you have to be you have to kind of be an entrepreneur yourself you know, whereas back in the day, you could rely on the structure at hand, the, the system to just sort of do it for you. You got to you got to be a little more creative now and how to set yourself apart. And in in, in doing that, it, it forces, I feel, the independent artist to have to think more big picture mm-hmm. about everything, not just am I writing a good song? It's like, well, you have to think about your image and you have to think about how, who you're, who you're presenting yourself to and the, the, the language you use in your posts and, mm-hmm. and it's everything. And there's so much thought that goes into building a brand these days, you know, and it's, it's even trickier because most of us are doing it mostly by ourselves, but it's also a really, you know, it's a, it's an exciting time too because there's just so much happening and so much to be inspired by and you know so many just different takes on the whole thing mm-hmm. that I, I think it's 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 brilliant I mean it, it's really inspiring also cool yeah and um and you know this I feel like is a really great segue into what I um, definitely want to ask you about which is you know going into this upcoming project uh what um what's kind of the process looked like like how um how are you kind of defining the format of it? And, and, you know, I know that's not completely defined yet, but what I mean is, is like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about as far as like 
that process and um you know how are you kind of feeling out the like um, aesthetic like like how are you feeling out like what you want this project to how it feels as an experience yeah um well yeah like we'd sort of talked about before um this is this is sort of an aesthetic change for me or evolution um uh to be moving into more of a an electronic space um into more of like an electro soul Mm. realm whatever that means i'm just using more synthesizers and what it really means (laughs) (laughs) is that i'm doing a lot more of it myself right i'm playing synth bass and i'm 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 exploring my own synth playing more I'm becoming less reliant on the band or the band that I've always, whatever band I'm using at the time right. to, to flesh out these songs. And it, you know, it's, it's forcing me to be also more creative, but to, to start like pulling from some other influences uh, that I've been having recently, aside from just sort of the, my traditional approach to writing songs and, arranging songs um, mm-hmm. within this sort of traditional instrumental funk soul jazz context. Mm-hmm. So I, I going into this, well, th- this project sort of started with me reaching out to uh, Georgia Ann Muldrow, who I've been a big fan of for a long time. And I feel like she's the type of person that like, if you know her, you know her. And, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't know her, you know, she's just in like certain circles. She's, she's a legend um she's put she's put out probably like 14 or 15 albums over the years she's just constantly putting out music i like to say she's she's if if nina simone and jay dilla had a baby that would Mm -hmm. be her because she sort of like runs the spectrum from hip-hop to electronica to jazz to soul like she's everything and she makes her own beats and yada yada so that being said i just cold called her on uh, on facebook i just sent her a a message on facebook just like who knows what do i have to lose and i i messaged her and said you know would you be interested in uh working with me on on this upcoming project i really love your work and she was she got back to me like that night at like three in the morning which i found out that that's when she works is Mm -hmm. like all night um so that was exciting and and we worked on a few songs together and then i kind of just kept working sort of in that realm um and trying to like work out some other songs that had that similar vibe to what she was what she was doing and but uh but yeah i i think i think there's also this new sort of i don't know what, what word to use like zeitgeist happening or like this artistic consciousness um, that I've also been exposed to because uh, my wife is a is a curator, is an arts curator, and she's been working very much in like the Afrofuturist realm. Mm-hmm. And I I think there's like in music and art, there's just this heightened level of like electronic soul, metaphysical, spiritual afrocentric 
realm that's mm-hmm. that's developing and i think it's really inspiring and and uh you know like challenging the status quo but also just feels really good mm-hmm. and it's it's funky and it's warm and it's i don't know i i I'm, i've been really swept up in that well and i you know i think that's really cool because i think it also speaks to something that um not to i don't know why i keep relating what you're saying to me but that's where we're at <laughs> um uh one of the things that i've found is that the more you're able to take your art into your own hands and and it it's how i think a lot about with collaboration mm-hmm. what i think a lot about when i think about collaboration which is you know i think when we when artists are kind of first defining their space um in their format you collaborate with who you feel like you have to mm-hmm. but then when you when you can start making that choice of like i'm going to collaborate with who i want to yeah. like i'm going to work with the direction that i that i want to be working in not like not because i have to but because I, I want to explore and expand that I think is that shift is a fascinating one. Um, do you feel like that, that was like kind of a recent space or cause you know, it's not from what it sounds like. It sounds like you've been working a ton. Like where do, do you think that's a, have, has that been a thing you've, you've noticed that kind of feeling of, of how cl- like collaboration has changed for you? Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said before, or, or hinted at is that I, I've always had this sort of band structure and sort right. of this like comfortable format of doing things. Like this is my band's bass, drums, guitar. I play keyboards and, you know, I write a song and I have that band arrange it, but it, I felt like I was sort of putting myself pigeonholing myself by doing that. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it, it's like you said, like, I don't, I sort of got to a place where I felt like, well, that's the way I'm supposed to collaborate or mm-hmm. these are the, these are the pieces that I need to have in order to make this. But just taking a step back and saying like, no, I can, I can choose whatever sonic palette I want and I can work with whoever I want to work with or not, or I can do it, all, do it myself, you know? And, uh, Stevie Wonder has always been like one of my biggest influences and his my favorite albums of his from the 70s which which a lot of people consider to be his masterpieces are these albums where he played almost everything if not everything and mm-hmm. produced it all and wrote it all and there's something to be said about like if you have a vision just like see it through all the way if you have the means and the the tools to do it like, mm-hmm. You know, and then bring in the people that you know will add something special to that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be in that in that space, or at least to also have the confidence in myself as an artist to to do that. And I'm as I'm talking about it right now, I'm sort of realizing that yeah, a lot of that was I was probably just not confident enough to to just take it upon myself you know uh, yeah and I, well and the reason why um i think it's very in the zeitgeist right now to reference like imposter syndrome i think it's because i think it's relatable i think a lot of people go through that but i but i also am finding that um building skills 
like exploring a, a new skill like yeah. synthesizers like, like, since learning to make beats i never right. did that before but i love beats <laughs> yeah it was like that's that's been a lot of fun yeah for me you know yeah it's and and you never really feel like oh i did i did it you know i'm the master but like yeah then you at least can be like you have a an in to be like to reach out to that person that you that you think is a master and you, yeah more often yeah. than not those cold messages people love that don't i yeah. love i love when people reach out to me because it's like oh cool yeah. like you want to collaborate that's really yeah, cool me like, too. i love being on people's albums like yeah. doing recording sessions and stuff because it's gives me an opportunity to be creative on on something that i never would have been involved with in any other mm-hmm. way you know um well, I cool. I'm sorry that we didn't talk more about the album, but what I do want to we have a few minutes left, and so the first thing we do, uh, the first thing, can you tell Maureen is not here, everybody? Uh, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting folks know um, where they can find your upcoming project, where they can find your most recent music video release, things like that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we also love hearing shout outs to other folks that you think are doing dope work. Or any media that you're consuming, self-care or otherwise, books, movies, TV shows, things like that. Man, how many minutes do I have to talk about? We all say those a minute. It's it's loose. <laughs> okay. I mostly say a minute just so that like people, if some if they have somewhere to go, they can they can. Okay. Right. I'm gonna get to it. Um, yes, my my song video for We Broke is out now. It's available on. Uh, Bandcamp, iTunes, also streaming on Spotify, all the normal spots. The video is on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, you can find all these things just under my name, Cole DeGenova. Uh, if you just Google my name, you'll find it all or on my website. Uh, and my last name is D-E-G-E-N-O-V-A. Um, aside from that, like I said, I'm going to be releasing uh, a new album soon by the end of the year I'm hoping and we'll have a, a release show for that but I'm going to be doing some touring with my group uh, coming up around the Midwest and uh, East Coast I'm also going to be touring with an artist out of LA that I've been working with recently named Gallant who I think is really great um, he's sort of like a pop R&B uh, singer and um, be doing that other people I think are really dope uh if you haven't checked out the International Anthem uh, label in Chicago, they're doing really cool experimental jazz. They're doing all sorts of things. Uh, Micaiah McCraven is a good friend of mine. He's on the uh, he's on the label. Also, my friends Dos Santos uh, are on that label, doing sort of like psychedelic cumbia fusion cool. music. Um, something I'm reading. I just finished a book called Stamped from the Beginning, uh, The Complete History of Racist Ideas in America. Quite a heavy read. Uh, I'm now reading a book called uh, Memoirs of a Dervish. Uh, what else can I throw in this long minute? Um, yeah, I don't know. Check me out. I'm, I'll that be around great. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Friday night, I'm going to be sitting in with some friends at uh, The Clipper. Um doing cool. some improvised funky music with Hell some drummers yeah. nice today's tuesday uh yes is that today today is? yeah no wait today's wednesday okay this will go wednesday. up soon it'll, okay. it'll go up before friday for sure where yeah um 
Yeah, Friday. Tomorrow. Next week at Martyrs, I'll be playing a show uh, with the band from New Orleans called Naughty Professor that I feature with every once in a while. Cool. It's a lot. It's a lot. That was a lot you to squeeze busy. in in that minute. No, no worries. <laughs> and we'll um we'll tag stuff too. Um yeah, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We spell that S C A P I M A G dot com. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there. Um, if you also uh, want to keep up with us with us on social media, on Facebook, we have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag. You can find the podcast, the one you listen to, to right now, under Scopy Radio. Um, I'm also going to do the shortened spiel of Maureen's uh, piece. Um, actually, I'm not going to do anything near her spiel. Um, the Scopy Magazine costs money. We do it with we don't it doesn't cost money it's free to you we we make this content to be free to you we do it for the artists we do it for undercovered people in Chicago um, we do have membership uh, spaces that are basically kind of like what we consider donation space if you go to scopymag.com/slash/subscribe the first thing that you'll see there is how you can get a, an email for every time we make a post on the website that's the easiest way that you can find out and keep up with what we are up to it's also the best way because every social media platform eats our shit um, as as it is they they want your money um, but we also deeply deeply appreciate any help that you can do to help us fund the work that we are doing all of our artists we try to pay as often as possible um, especially our writers uh, that's very important to us um, and you know we are running right now a scopy tech fund to constantly work to improve our technology because that is a thing that is always needed so if you can head over to scopymag.com the subscribe section check all of that out um, sorry for murdering that spiel mo i'm sure you'll hear this and and shake your finger at me um, thank you all so much for listening go out and make something Yep.